0: deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss
1: The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar
0: the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory In the summer of 2020, Samuel Johnson moved to the Somerville area. He felt the Lord's leading to this area, and we started to get to know him. Samuel jumped right into serving others, loving this local church, and Samuel quickly became connected to many families in this church. The teens loved him, uh, and we just watched him start shepherding people with no title at all even at the age 24, 25 when he moved here. We hired Samuel as an intern in early 2021, 10 hours a week, turned to 20 hours a week, turned to 30 hours a week, and we just kind of kept giving him more back the dump truck of ministry onto this guy and see how much he can hold. Hey, Samuel, what about the entire champ camp? Can you run that? Good job. What about Rancho 3 and Mission Trip? Good job. Let's Help with youth ministry, with the Shorys. Let's keep doing that. And, and God continued to grow him in stature, in loving the Lord and being gifted to serve him, to where he's been a pastoral resident for a while now. And I realized we normally have someone go from pastoral resident to pastor in training, and honestly, I forgot. So on Thursday night at elder meeting, I was like, for three days, you're going to be a pastor in training before you're an elder, on Sunday. So today's becoming a pastor. So we didn't skip that step. Just kidding. He doesn't really care. He just didn't want to be called intern because he was an intern forever. And so he was like, as long as I'm not called intern. So if you want to see how his heart responds, you can keep calling him intern. But (laughs) he's going to be a pastor here at Risen Hope Church. When it comes to pastoral ministry, it's not only gifting that matters. It's not gifting that primarily matters. It's character. Samuel's a man who has matured beyond his 27 years. Is 27, right? Wisdom, humility, and care for others. He leads his community group well. I was even just talking to Mr. Leroy about the love and leadership Samuel provides to that community group. He counsels our teenagers and their families with gospel-centeredness. He Praise with faith. He has discernment and theological wisdom. But most of all, one of the things I appreciate about Samuel is he has a life of integrity. His walk and his talk align. We believe Samuel's to be a pastor, elder, overseer. Those are synonymous terms here at Risen Hope. And we don't know how long we will have Samuel as a pastor here at Risen Hope. He may be here for two years, three years, four years, five years. He may go out and plant a church. He may be here for 10 years. We are not really sure, but we believe he's a gifted, called, qualified leader, and we wanna care for him well on whatever God has for his future. We've asked you, our congregation, to give us input and evaluation about Samuel, and with joy and excitement, you have affirmed his leadership gifts and his pastoral call. Now, over the next several minutes, we have folks we want you, church family, to hear from who are going to commend Samuel to you, to us as an elder. Because Paul talks about an elder and overseer and gives specific qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 says, The saying is trustworthy. This is Paul talking. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, a husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, and respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church?" He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. We believe Samuel meets the qualifications of an elder. And first, we'd like for you to hear from Steve Teeter. He was here a few weeks ago, he's our regional leader in sovereign grace. We have a video, hopefully it works. Sorry for the issues of technology, but we're gonna first watch the video.
1: Good morning, Risen Hope Church. Good morning, Johnson family and to Samuel. I so wish I could be with you today on this day of celebration of Samuel's ordination, but since that isn't possible, I've written a few thoughts to share with you as a church and with you, Samuel. Samuel, as I've gotten to know you over the past year, your love for the Lord, for others, and for His church has been clearly evident. Your desire to care for God's people and your commitment to the Lord's will, both in and through your life, has been consistent. I thank the Lord for you and for the call that is on your life. I thank the Lord for your desire to answer His call and to pursue pastoral ministry. 1 Timothy 3.1 says... Here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Samuel, you have set your heart on a noble task and have been faithful to study and to prepare as well as to grow as a biblically and qualified godly man. It is with deep joy and gratitude that I can commend your character, your commitment, and your calling as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As the Mid-South Regional Leader for Sovereign Grace, I consider it a privilege to see you added and ordained as an elder in our region for God's glory and for the good of his people. Risen Hope, thank you for your support of Samuel and of your future together joining with him and under his pastoral leadership. While I know this is a solemn moment, it is also a time for celebration as a church. To the Samuel family and particularly to Samuel's parents, God bless you for the lifelong investment you have made into his life. I trust that you will experience the Lord's pleasure and joy today as you watch him being ordained. Samuel, may the Lord bless you today. May the Lord bless your life as you serve his church that he bought with his blood. May the Lord bless your ministry and make it abundantly fruitful for decades to come or until his return. To him be the glory in the church, both now and forevermore. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you, Samuel, and may the Lord bless you, Risen Hope Church.
2: Before I jump in, I know um, most of our church family I know, but uh, since I haven't had the chance uh, to meet uh, you, Samuel's family, um, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. I've had the privilege of <clears throat> Of of getting to know Samuel over the last couple years haven't known him for as long as you have uh, but I've known him for long enough to have had the opportunity the privilege to be able to witness a measure of integrity maturity love for Christ and love for others um, that I believe is pretty special for a young man his age Um, um, but again over the last several years I've seen God's grace in a number of different ways I'd like just to share uh, this morning a few of those um, we won't have time to share all of them, but I'll share a few with them, and I hope it's an encouragement to you, brother, And uh, just a confirmation of of what uh, so many of us have already been aware of. Now, one of the things that I think um, I've just appreciated so much is the way that Samuel models hospitality and uh, a welcoming spirit. Um, I remember after finding Samuel a home uh, several years ago, um, it was so I was so appreciative of how quickly, uh, and how cheerfully he opened his home to host um, for an indefinite period of time, um, another family that was moving into the area. And so just, I'm grateful for the way you stewardship, uh, you stewarded God's resources in that, saw it as his and not your own, and just, uh, again, gladly welcomed that family. Even our family has personally benefited from his hospitality. I think Samuel had us over for a meal long before we ever had him over. In fact, I think he's still waiting on that. Um, uh, but again,'ve we've, we've experienced his warm heart and, uh, and fellowship, and are so grateful for that about him. Um, I know a number of you have experienced uh, his friendship and, and warm heart as well and can attest to to those things. Um, another reason I'm excited uh, to have Samuel as a pastor is just because of his humility and faith. Um, I've seen Samuel walk through some really difficult, uh, personal and relational challenges over the last several years um, and in over and over again I've just been inspired by his transparency the way he humbly submits himself to the input of others and in just his his willingness to also thoughtfully um, consider the input of the Holy Spirit as well um, but not only is he willing to receive those things he's then willing to walk by faith and I've seen him trust the Lord through, uh, again, a number of difficult trials um, in his life. So just grateful for his faith in that regard. Um, Another thing I would just say about Samuel is not only is he willing to humbly receive, but he's also just willing to gladly give to others. I've seen him uh, on numerous occasions, just sometimes in difficult pastoral situations, uh, just be very intentional about looking for ways to identify evidences of grace in other people's lives and and i can just attest personally when you're walking through something difficult and somebody is willing to both express and share like how they see god at work in and through you it just instills you for with faith for that circumstance and so just so appreciated about that about samuel as well um also i've seen And I'm aware of a number of occasions where Samuel has driven great distances uh, to be with friends who are experiencing great difficulty and just to sit with them as Job's friends should have for longer (laughs) and be with them and to care for them. Um, And I've just, I've so appreciated the way that he has just given him of of himself, his time, his resources, his sleep. so many different ways uh to ensure that people have the support the care and feel the presence of christ with them through his through his body um he has a heart to serve and as a faithful encourager and friend Um, he also has the heart of the good shepherd for his sheep and i think you all at risen hope we've experienced that but this man loves jesus and so that comes through in the way that he um just his, he models pastoral care. Um, I know Samuel loves God's word. He loves the gospel. He loves his Savior. And I've just seen God's word dwell in him richly. When when different pastoral situations come up, different things happen, it's like, it seems like God's word is readily accessible for him. And that only comes from somebody who's spent a lot of time with the Lord and with his word. Uh, So I'm thankful for that. Mike already hit on this, but I've, I've been so appreciative of not only the way he sought to protect and guard doctrine, but also for the way he sought to, to guard and keep his own heart. Um, I've seen his um, humility, but I've also seen his integrity in that regard. And one, thing I'd, one final thing I'd like just to commend Samuel for that I think is really important for us as a church, and is one of the reasons why I'm so grateful that God has added him to us, and that is his love for the lost. Um those who know Samuel um, and have been around him for a while know that again, he loves his savior, but he also realizes his own, his his savior is the only hope uh for a, a world that is lost, and that his savior is worthy of the all the worship um that uh the worship of the reward of his sufferings. I think it was the the Moravian missionaries who when they were leaving off um, headed, they sold themselves into slavery so that they could evangelize this island of slaves. And they had said, you know, worthy is the land to receive the reward of his sufferings. And I feel like that's Samuel's heart in his passion for the lost. He loves the gospel of Jesus. But he loves it enough not only to share it with his deeds, but also with his words. So Samuel, thank you, brother, for the way that you model Christ and the mission statement of our church. So our church, we exist to glorify God as we treasure, apply, and proclaim the gospel. And I I love you, brother, and I so appreciate the way you model those things for us. And praise God for the way he's evidently gifted, qualified, and called you to be an under-shepherd here, brother. We
0: have one more uh, commendation. just excited about this. Love hearing Steve, love hearing Josh. I know those guys. I don't know Lane Johnson as well, uh, and that is Samuel's dad, but I've heard Samuel talk a lot about his dad and growing up in life action and traveling the world and sharing the gospel with lots of people. So uh, we have one more commendation. This is one of the reasons I wanted the kids to stay in here, because you're hearing a dad talk to his son. So Lane, come on up here. Let's welcome Lane Johnson.
3: Thank you, Pastor Mike and church. Um, I was contemplating down there what John said, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. And everything that Josh just said and that you have said, Mike, has been true of Samuel all of his life growing up. Um, I'm not a very emotional person, but I teared up a while ago just contemplating exactly 40 years ago um, this summer, uh, within just literally a month from right now, the Lord called me at 17. Into a ministry of the word, into full time ministry for many years, in that, and still have opportunity now in preaching the word and ministering in prayer in our church and things. And all the things that um, God has taken me through, I saw in Samuel's life growing up. Um, I remember a time he came to me in our home as a teenager and said, Dad, I feel like the Lord wants me to give this certain amount of money to somebody and I don't want them to know about it. Can you do that? Get it out of my account. I said, yeah, and I looked and I said, you know, that's, that's half of what you have in your checking account. I said, I know that's what the Lord told me to do. Um, that was as a teenager, and that's just one example of many that I could give that Janet could give my wife uh, of his life. And I, even now, I just love sitting on the same pew worshiping with him, and that's been true of his life just the unhindered uh, resolve he has to connect with the Lord and a purity of worship um, has always been true of him uh, again. I affirm everything I just heard from Josh and all the deal. I thought, oh, think about this and that. But uh, with limits of time and wanting to move on with all that God wants to do today, we absolutely uh, commend to you our son, uh, our, fir- our third child, but our firstborn son. Um, and having observed the clear work of the Spirit of God in him throughout his whole life, especially in his teenage years when um, things were just different with him, he was— cut from a different cloth uh than most everyone else that that i knew and going out fishing in a boat and us making a song to the lord that we sang in family worship for years after that just that was his heartbeat Um, the one last thing i would say that really captures all of that is kind of where josh ended just his love for the word of god janet and i were talking again this morning and this was both of our experiences and those of you that are parents of teenagers uh, we will understand this. You're wondering where is your son? It's the middle of the day. Could be 11 a.m., could be 3 p.m. Uh, I think he's in his room and for both Janet and I on different occasions we go upstairs to his bedroom when he's a teenager thinking, is he just sleeping? Is he being lazy? And I cracked the door open as did my wife and he's just there in the bed with the Word open, just reading the Word. And so I want to end with a picture that we happened to have captured a number of years ago when he was, I believe, about, he may not be able to see it very well, but he was probably seven years old. As we traveled all around the country, lived on different church parking lots, um, I went out and way out in the field behind the trailer that we were living in on a church parking lot, there he was, had taken his little fold-out chair, had his Bible uh, with his dog, his faithful dog, under the cross, of all things, just reading the Word. Okay, So what you see in him is not something that has just happened overnight or been developed recently. The Lord has had his hand on him for a very long time, and we are very blessed and honored to be a part of this day.
0: Thank you, Lane. We're going to now dismiss our children and Hope Kids workers. Thank you guys for staying in a little longer today. Hope that was encouraging to you. Lane and Janet, thank you for the way you've poured in. We we reap the benefit of your faithful parenting. We do. We do. We do is a gift and so for all of us who are parents and pouring in and pouring in this is just an encouragement to us as well so thank you for that well i met samuel kind of via a phone call a guy named brian chesmore who was one of his pastors in louisville called samuel felt called to come to this area and it wasn't just for our girl but that had an emotional pull as well as just wanting to come to this area. But what Samuel quickly found out, that there was a very different girl. Christ's girl. Christ's bride. The church is why God brought him here. Specifically, Risen Hope Church. Samuel, we've talked together, prayed together, counseled together, served together, laughed together, made fun of each other. Picked on LSU, you pick on Tennessee, and I'm grateful that soon we'll elder together, uh, shepherd together as fellow pastors. I'm grateful that you're going to be my pastor, my wife's pastor, my kid's pastor. And as one of your pastors, I want to give you encouragement and a charge today from First Timothy chapter 4. You can open up, if you have your Bible, to First Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 12. This is a charge to Samuel, but this is God's Word to all of us. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, "'Let no one despise you for your youth, "'but set the believers an example in speech, "'in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. "'Until I come, devote yourself "'to the public reading of Scripture, "'to exhortation, to teaching, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. May God bless the preaching and reading of his word. There's four main imperatives that we're going to look at from this text. These are for you, Samuel, mainly, but all of us, as God's word addresses all of us. Point number one is this, set an example. Paul is telling Timothy, who is younger, probably in his early 30s at this time, and in a culture where that was very young, for any kind of authority, to not have people look down on him, but have people actually look up to him. And how are they going to look up to him? Because his life sets an example of godliness. Timothy is being called to ministry beyond his years, but not beyond his character. He's called to ministry beyond the adequacy of of his ministry experience, but not beyond the character. Paul does not hesitate when you're reading about Paul to talk about others following him. He says, follow me as I follow Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. Now he's telling Timothy, you, Timothy, set the example to other people. You too live by the mantra, follow me as I follow Christ. So what are the details of setting this example? Well, first you're supposed to set the example in speech. Your speech is not to be domineering. Your speech is is one that people can follow and listen to and hear that's full of love and care. People don't follow you because your title, but because your character. Your speech is to be edifying and encouraging, giving grace to those who hear. Your boast is only Christ. You are to be slow to speak and quick to listen, not answering a fool in his folly, but using your words as a precious gift from Christ to shepherd the flock of Christ, which he paid for with his own blood. Set an example in speech. Secondly, set an example in conduct. So it's not just words that matter, but also the example. There should never be do as I say, not as I do. No, your conduct matters. If if everyone lived their life, if everyone in our church lived the life, the way you live your life, we should be growing in a trajectory of godliness. The way you live your life, the way you manage your finances, the way you relate to the opposite sex, the way you study God's word, the way you enjoy hobbies, the way you carry yourself, all is an example. Young men should find an example in you a mentor old men should find a faithful son in your faith peers women and men should find a brother in Christ conduct that reflects Jesus Christ the calling of the gospel in your life humility gentleness patience bearing with one another in love this isn't perfection you know that i know that they know that especially family But you're a man in the midst of sanctification by the spirit running from sin and running toward christ god is forming you this is a steadfast consistency so we set the example in speech set the example in conduct samuel next set the example in love the greatest command is to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor love others love god vertically love others horizontally your example of love will be a massive testimony to others understanding Christ. Christ loved others, he had an eye for the hurting, a heart for the wandering. Jesus delighted to pour into a, a few to affect the many. Timothy was to love God and by loving God, he would also then be loving others and pour into others. Love those who are easy to love and love those who are hard to love. I mean, Jesus had doubting Thomas, impulsive Peter, and the sons of thunder right there. Like, love those who are not the easiest to love. Set the example. Next, set the example in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the strong belief that God is who He says He is and will do what He says He will do. Faith is the conviction, the heart assurance that thing, of things that you cannot see. So Samuel, you are being asked to shepherd Christ's church and actually do that which you cannot do. There's the call. Do what you can't do on your own, that you are incapable of on your own. Or as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, some sow, some water, and Christ causes the growth in people's lives. So you're sowing, you're watering, but you cannot cause growth. You cannot cause spiritual growth in other people's lives. It's not about fruitfulness. It's about faithfulness. And Samuel, this will be tested. It has been tested. It will continue to be tested because it is hard. In pastoral ministry, you will pour in. You will sow and water and sometimes not see growth or not see growth in the timing you want to see growth. You'll pour out your life into others and sometimes see the opposite of what you hoped for. You will lay down your life for others, and it may go unthanked. It may go unappreciated. It sometimes is criticized that it wasn't enough or wasn't correct the way you did it. Pastoral ministry is not for the faint of heart. But the point is not your fruitfulness. The point is faithfulness. What do you need in those hard moments? You need faith. You need faith that you are doing exactly what Christ has called you to do, faith that Jesus is the one on the throne and Jesus is the one who causes the growth, causes the change, causes the increase. So keep your heart soft, faithfully trust in God, in his work. Set the example in faith. Next, set the example in purity. Samuel, you're a man who takes your heart to task with purity. I've greatly appreciated your example here, especially as a single guy. You are vigilant in this. But demonic attack as an elder will come, and this is probably one of the areas. So warning, that's a really big deal. Now as a pastor, you need to even more so be vigilant you must confess temptations upstream. You already do that, continue to do that. You must keep accountability and continue like Job in Job 31.1 to set a guard over your eyes to not sin against God. Set a guard over your heart to not sin against God. Or as the, this passage, if we kept studying it, continues in 1 Timothy 5. It says that Timothy is to treat older women like mothers and younger women like sisters. How? In all purity. That matters. There's a reason why Paul goes to that with Timothy, his son in the faith. Set the example. Set the example for the singles, men, women. Set the example for the married, Set the example for our church in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. The text then moves on. Point number two, that you're to devote yourself What is Timothy supposed to devote himself to? Look at verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Samuel, like Timothy, you're to devote yourself to the word. Be devoted to the public reading of the word, loving to expose God's word to God's people, loving to give the sheep nutrients the bread of life, bring them to the fountain of living water, devoted to exhorting from the word. This is not just reading the scripture, though that's excellent. It's exhorting from the scripture, calling us to believe, go from unbelief to belief in all areas of life. Yes, set the example, but don't just set the example. Tell us how to live. You are to exhort us when there's doctrinal error or compromise or just concerns. You are to be like a herald coming into the city These are not your words, they're the words of the king. And you're to be devoted to teaching the word. Jesus told his disciples to make disciples. And they make disciples how? They go, they baptize, and they teach. They teach the disciples that they make to obey all that he's commanded them. That takes time and energy. You're to teach God's people. But not just teach what's on your mind, it's not just teach the flavor of the month, not just teach their latest blog or fad or internet craze, you are to teach the Word. I think another part of pastoral devotion that we must consider is not just being devoted to the Word, but also being devoted to prayer. Now 1 Timothy 4 does not have that in the text, but I'm pulling this from Acts chapter 6 when the apostles are confronted with an issue where there are widows that aren't being fed. They go, they, they form kind of what we would call the deacons and, and they're serving they say, well, we're supposed to be devoted to the ministry of the word, but not just the ministry of the word. We're to be devoted to prayer. Samuel, be devoted to the ministry of the word and be devoted to prayer. And this is one of the many things I love about you and have learned from you. You're a man devoted to prayer. At our camp camp training that Samuel led just a couple months ago uh, for our soccer camp, our outreach, we care about evangelizing the next generation. I walked away, and the thought I had was, "Wow, we prayed a lot. Like I thought we were supposed to like plan this camp. We prayed a lot. So we prayed to start, we talked a little, then we prayed, then we ate, then we prayed. And then we talked about our campers, and then we prayed for them individually. Then we learned some dances, and then we prayed. And I thought, wow, we we prayed. I don't know those dance moves, but we prayed. Samuel, thank you for your devotion to praying, your example and leadership in that your man devoted to the ministry of the Word and prayer. And in 1 uh, 1 Timothy 4, Paul continues to exhort Timothy and he tells Timothy to use the gifts that God's given him. Third point is use your gifts. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now, we don't know what gift Timothy was given here. Commentators say different things. Some say a gift of teaching. Some say a gift of prophecy. Some say a gift of faith. But what we do know if you read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is that that Timothy had this temptation to be timid. And there's there's this constant fan the flames, Timothy. Go, Timothy. Don't be timid, maybe because you're young, maybe because some ailments you have, something like that. Don't be timid, Timothy. Use your gifts. He needed to be encouraged to use his gifts. Get this it is not humble to ignore the gifts God has given you. It is actually pride. It is actually self-sufficiency. We must acknowledge that God has given us charismata. God has given us grace gifts by His Spirit, and we must obey and honor God by using the gifts that God has given us. This is not just for Samuel. This is for all believers. Use the gifts God has given. Why has God given us gifts? 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 says to edify others, to encourage others for the common good of the body. So Samuel, you have gifts, gifts that you must use, not for your glory, but for the glory of God. You must not be timid in using your gifts. Therefore, the edification and encouragement of this local body and this body needs those gifts. Honor God by using them. You have a teaching gift, do not neglect using it. You have a gift of faith, stir that. You have a gift of discernment. If you don't use that, we suffer. Don't neglect them. Whereas verse 15 says, practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. So Paul's saying, walk this out, Timothy. Practice devotion, progress. It's a note of of progress, as a call to progress. And this means that Timothy needed to keep growing. He was not currently what the Ephesian church would need him to be in the days and months and years ahead. He needed to grow, he needed to progress. And Samuel, you are not right now what we will need in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. We need your progress. We need you to grow in shepherding us through whatever challenges we have in the days, weeks, years ahead. Don't let your gifting outrun your character. Don't stagnate. Don't view today as like, finally, I got it. Now I'm good. You are qualified, but you have to stay qualified. That's part of pastoral ministry. Be a humble, godly man for the long haul. Faithfully plod with eager expectation. And this whole passage could really be summarized in verse 16. This is the last point. Watch your life and doctrine. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Samuel, there's a a lot of, of jobs that you could perform where the performance is evaluated, but your character doesn't really matter. Like when I go to a car mechanic, if they know what they're doing, they can be a jerk character-wise, but if they're getting it done and know how to fix the car, cool. If you have a realtor that's cutthroat, but she sells every house she has, you're gonna hire her, not so the pastor. Paul tells Timothy to keep a close watch on yourself. Watch your life. Spurgeon called this the pastor's self-watch. This includes many things we've already talked about. Your walk with the Lord, devotion time, your word and prayer life, your purity, your communication, conduct, and love. You're to watch your life. You're to have a soft heart toward the spirit, how he's leading a sensitivity to how he's working. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in every area of my life and in this church. You're to watch your life, but you're to watch your doctrine. But there's not somehow some separation between life and doctrine. That would be unhelpful. Your daily life is rooted in your doctrinal beliefs of of who Christ is, his substitutionary life, death, resurrection, ascension, his rule and reign. That should encompass all of how you think in your life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It affects you. If there's a distance between what you teach and who you are, that's a problem. If there's, um, flip the page here, if you're calling us to repentance, but you're unwilling to repent yourself, that's a problem. If you're calling us to honor Christ in all areas of life, but you're holding back over here, that's a problem. There should be consistency in what you say, what you do, and how you lead us and what you call us to believe and how you call us to live. Humility in the counseling session, humility on the soccer field. Humility in the pulpit, humility in the restaurant. Humility on Sunday morning, humility on Friday night. Life and doctrine, doctrine and practice consistency. For Jesus didn't save just your theological mind. He saved you as a whole person. So keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. You must teach us. Come alongside the other elders in teaching us. Come alongside the other members. Teach us biblical theology and systematic theology. Teach us to love and cherish the gospel of Jesus Christ. To think on the incarnation and why that's so important. To think on the substitutionary sinless life of Jesus and and how that affects everyday life. To think on the cross of Jesus and the substitutionary exchange where he took your sin and gave you his good standing of righteousness. To think on the resurrection from the dead and how three days later he came alive and you have life in him to think on his ascension he just didn't float up in the air he was taking the kingdom he was going to the throne and sitting down to be your king and our king to think of his rule and reign and how that matters every day teach us this you passed three ordination exams kind of four because they just changed some of it. you signed the statement of faith of what we believe. J.C. Ryle used the term the old paths. Stay on the old paths. The path of Jesus, this 2,000-year path, and even before that of the Old Testament. Stay on the old paths. You must continually make sure your doctrine aligns with Scripture. Make sure you are growing deep roots in the love of Christ, guarding your heart, protecting the flock, teaching the truths, even when others don't like it. Why? Verse 16, Persist in this, for by doing you save both yourself and your hearers. Gordon Fee says this, salvation involves perseverance. And Timothy's task in Ephesus is to model and teach the gospel, faith, and love. And hence to final eschatological salvation. So salvation's not just justification. You are saved. You're saved being saved and you will be saved. So as we are being saved in our sanctification, we must persevere to fully be saved in the end where we will be saved and glorified. But your preaching, your teaching, your counseling, your care matters for yourself and for us. The stakes are high is what this text says your persistence, your example, your devotion, your faithfulness, you will help yourself persevere, and you will help us persevere. And Samuel, haven't we seen the opposite? Leaders fall, and many follow. Many are hurt, disillusioned, deconstruct their faith. Some proving out to be unbelievers, and others walk with a spiritual limp for years upon years. Pastors matter. Watching your life and doctrine matters. Let me close with this. This is Paul's exhortation to the Ephesian elders. Probably Timothy was there in Acts chapter 20. Paul says this to these elders pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Samuel, this is your call. It's a serious charge because this is Christ's church. This is Christ's bride. This is Christ's girl. Not yours, not mine. I hope this encourages you and sobers you at the same time. You're being called to do something which you cannot do apart from the Spirit working in your life and in the lives of our church family.